Oh, okay, good afternoon. We are live here on the Joe Gaither Show right here on BamaCentral.com as a part of the BamaCentral.com Broadcasting Network. I'm Joe Gaither here for another day. Beautiful Tuesday in Tuscaloosa. I hope you and yours are having a great day and everybody's doing well on the internet world out there and about. If you're listening on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, we love you. We appreciate you. Welcome in. We're going to have a fun, fun day. All right, so I've already had a good morning. I went out to the airport right here, Tuscaloosa Regional Airport. And I saw our ladies, the Alabama softball team, hitting a big old plane to go out to Oklahoma City. So I am fired up already today. I got a lot of things I want to talk about. You can follow us on Twitter at JoeGaither6. You can find me on Facebook at JoeGaither6. YouTube at Bama Central, BamaCentral.com, Bama Central Broadcasting Network. Jump in and join us. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be joined today by my friend Michael Bronner of WNSP down there in Mobile. Michael Bronner is the host of the, the, the drive down there from 3 to 6 every day, 105.1, down on WNSP. So uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. Michael, good afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Are you doing okay? I'm doing great, Joe. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Excited to be on with you in a new little format for you. Yeah, and we're, we're going to see if we can have, can have some fun today. It's been a it's been a, a, a heck of a morning already. I figured out I did not know which. <laughs> oh, I had figured out why I had previously made so many airport mistakes over at the uh, Tuscaloosa Airport. There's about three or four different uh, terminals over there, uh, but we got to the right one today. It's no big deal. I I, I got there early enough to figure out, hey, this isn't the right one. Maybe I should try uh, across the property there. Uh, so it's been a great day so far, and I'm happy to have you join us. But, you know, it's not the, the softball won't be the focus. We'll move to the softball later. It's a huge day in football country, in SEC football country, as it is SEC spring meetings down there in Destin. I know that uh, that's that's not too far away from where you, where you guys are. Are you expecting anything fun to come out of SEC spring meetings? Because Look, everybody expects every year we're going to have groundbreaking changes in the league. Everything's going to change. We're going to decide things and nothing ever happens. So what's your what's your excitement level for uh for for the meetings down there in Destin? Yeah, uh pretty low. Uh you you kind you kind of said it pretty well there. Uh it, the uh the spring meetings are kind of the appetizer to SEC Media Days, I guess, which we got coming up in Nashville in July. Very excited for that. I believe they're going to be sending a few of us up there. Hope to see you up there as well. But that that all being said, yeah, I mean, obviously the big topic of discussion is the SEC nine-game versus eight-game schedule. It does appear it's going to stay at eight games, which, you know, whether Nick Saban has a big say in that is, uh, you know, kind of up for debate. I think he probably does. Uh, the whole permanent opponents and rotating schedule thing. Obviously, you have Oklahoma and Texas there for the first time as well, which adds a layer of excitement. But, you know, it's certainly something that is a bit more uh, built up than what it is. We got our own uh, Lee Shervanian down there. He's going to be getting us some audio that we'll play on the final drive this afternoon. But I, I wouldn't expect anything groundbreaking or huge coming out of spring meetings. So you don't think – I mean, Greg Sankey, when they bring in Oklahoma and Texas, they need to say, you guys go sit in the corner, y'all hush. Y'all don't have speaking rights yet. 
You just get listening right. So you guys stay in the corner. Us 14 will figure this thing out. And, you know, y'all signed up to be in on it, whether you like it or not. So y'all sit in the corner, hush your mouth. We're going to make some decisions over here. And uh, then maybe next year you get a vote. Yeah, they're at the kids' table, and they got to earn their place at the big boy table. It was funny. We had a big game boomer, you know, him from Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Weeks ago, and I asked him, like, if I gave you an over-under of nine and a half years on Oklahoma winning the SEC, would you take the under or the over? And he cautiously took the under, uh, which I I think it's going to take Oklahoma more than a decade to win the SEC. We'll see if uh, if Texas can throw their hat in the ring before that. But, you know, it's not even that Oklahoma or Texas are – incapable of it i just think that you know georgia's not going anywhere alabama's not going anywhere we'll see we'll see what happens this year but you know i think tennessee is going to be looming for a while hopefully hopefully florida starts to turn it around at some point i just think it's going to take them a while before they become you know powers in the sec that all being said obviously it's not an sec game so I'm one of the people who believes that Texas is going to come into Bryant any week too and beat Alabama this year. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, that that's uh, an early opportunity to make a big statement. Now, Georgia should be playing Oklahoma this year in Norman, but instead they're playing Ball State week two. Totally not bitter about that one. But, uh, you know, it didn't seem to be a problem for Alabama playing a home-and-home home against Texas. And I know it was a year later, and every, every guest I've complained to about that has said something along the lines of, oh, if it were up to Georgia, they'd still be playing Oklahoma. Oh, and the SEC is not letting them. Now, does it benefit them that they're going to roll to 12-0? and 0? And would they win at Oklahoma? Probably, yes. But uh, you'd love to see Georgia having to, you know, not not face no challenge until the SEC championship. And I guess they'll be at Tennessee, and we'll see We'll see what happens. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, as for Georgia and Oklahoma, yes, they certainly need to earn their place at the table. Well, Michael, my uh, actually my cousin, my alter ego, chimes in with Georgia, the current premier program in the SEC, piggybacking off your your, your take right there. You, you're going to tell him he's wrong or are you agreeing? No, I, you know, I've had this argument with a lot of listeners and a lot of Alabama fans don't want to say it, but like, <laughs> what, what are you going to say? I, they're the back-to-back defending national champions. It's something Nick Saban has done one time, which by the way, if we were in a college football playoff era in 2013 Alabama would have had a damn good chance to three-peat even with the kick six iron bowl loss but of course we weren't in a playoff era at the time uh that being said you know again it makes it a little bit easier to three-peat now that we're in a playoff era it'll be even easier in a 12-team playoff era uh so we'll see what happens there as for Alabama this year I mean, it'd be a massive accomplishment, I think, if they got to the playoff. It's a hard team to figure out. I, like, I, I feel very good about pretty much every position group on the team. Obviously, the big question mark is the quarterback. And, but, you know, yeah, I, I think that the quarterback situation is certainly a higher ceiling than it's been that Alabama has won national champion chips with you know if you look at the aj mccarrens and jake cokers of the world not to show, throw any shade on my mobile guys from down here in st paul's but yeah i i definitely it, i and i it's easy to make the argument like oh it's a different game like college football has evolved you can't win with a quarterback like that but look at the last two national champions in georgia stetson bennett is a back-to-back defending national champion now i think he got a lot better this year but you know 2021 stetson bennett was a game manager that there's no and i don't even say that as an insult that's just what he was and he did enough for the national championship that dude hit two 
throws in the yeah. national championship. All he, had, all he had to do. I'll tell you what. If a Jai Hall could catch the ball and Jameson Williams' knee could have held up, it would. You know, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. Uh, two, two throws, Michael Bronner, and the the fingertips of George Pickens off the first bomb in the first half. Like that throw, I'm sitting in the press box. I'm thinking, no chance, no Wait, chance, no God. chance. Oh no, Pickens was. Pickens was fully extended, fingertips out. It was like a miraculous play for George Pickens. Uh, but you're right. Okay, Stetson. Still enough for the Patriots to pass on him for Tyquan Thornton in the draft. So. Well, it's because he likes. To, it's because uh, George Pickens likes to like to fight his teammates. He, he, yeah. He had a, a little bit of penchant for uh, getting into scuffles. I don't think Bill Belichick liked that too much. He's, he's got that dog in him. Well, you know, that's it, it's kind of a requirement to play to play uh, high level football. Michael, what do we what do we stand? I mean, let's go back to SEC spring media because that's really what what, we, what we're focusing on. What where do we stand for, on eight versus nine games? Because you've got a massive split. You've got a massive split in the in, in the SEC coaches division where you know Kirby Smart already has said it's the most pointless conversation ever. Let's see if I get his correct uh, correct quote. Let's see. Here we go from Brett McMurphy. Uh, from Brett McMurphy. Kirby Smart, uh, Kirby Smart on eight versus nine SEC game discussion. Quote: The most overrated conversation there was. It's not a big deal to me. Uh, and and Nick Saban has now kind of gone back and forth between eight or nine games. Uh, he's, in his quote this morning: Things go into this like TV contracts. I'm sure a lot of those things will factor into it. I've always been in in favor of playing all games against Power Five opponents. So he backs kind of off the nine game. Uh, SEC schedule, but modifies it to say all Power Five opponents. Where do you stand on eight versus nine games? We obviously know the Vanderbilts, the Kentuckys, uh, the Mississippi States of the world want to have that extra cupcake on the schedule because oh my gosh, it's such an accomplishment to go to the Tax Slayer Bowl. But what do we stand here? I mean, I've gone gone really back and forth on on Nick Saban's stance on this. It's like, yeah, he's always been publicly a proponent of the we should play all power five opponents but then you know alabama has two cupcakes a year which we, we talked about this last year after the utah state game when alabama went to texas and looked sluggish it's like did utah state really prepare you to get ready for texas no of course they didn't you win 55 to nothing you have blake anderson coach at utah state utah state saying this is one of the best football teams we've ever seen as it turned out by alabama standards they really weren't all that good and, and then so you know, and I was, I'll tell you what, I had never been more disappointed in Nick Saban than when he came out very vehemently against when the three rotating opponents came out. And for Alabama, it was Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. And he was like, well, Mississippi State's the, uh, you know, the, yeah, the iconic Mississippi State Alabama rivalry has nothing to do with the fact that it's an hour from Tuscaloosa and Alabama just beats up on Mississippi State. You got like, and I know old school Alabama fans like to say that LSU is not a rivalry, but it is. I, the Alabama LSU game is is big time every year. Obviously, you weren't going to get rid of the Iron Bowl. Obviously, you weren't going to get rid of the third Saturday in October. So those were two that had to stay. And then it's LSU. Like, just from a neutral fan perspective, trying to remove Alabama, yes, would I rather have not a free win, but a better chance of a win against Mississippi State every year? Sure. But the LSU game, and that's. 
that's not something you can get rid of. I look forward to the LSU game every year. I was in Baton Rouge this year for it, and, and you know, I, I was very sad after the game, and it, and it was unfortunate, and, and uh, the Tiger fans weren't all that nice to me. For the they give you the Tiger bait, Tiger yeah. bait, Tiger bait. I had seven-year-olds coming up to me and calling me Tiger bait. And it, <laughs> it was, a, you know, it was funny because I went to the Ole Miss game the following week, and just like the, the dichotomy between Oxford and Baton Rouge, I'll, I'll take Oxford any day of the week there. I, really? I, Oh my God! It wasn't even close. You want the country club ass atmosphere? You want the LSU? LSU, It was very like people were. It's a friendly chirp, but like after the game, and this is after we lost. It was like pretty contentious to the point where I thought, wow, if, if Bama had found a way to win this game, I, I might be in some physical danger right now. <laughs> the fans would be so upset. And even after the Ole Miss game, it was like, yeah, like people were upset and like people didn't want it, didn't want to hear chirps or anything like that. But like, you can understand that they just lost a game. You could argue they should have won, but Ole Miss, Ole Miss fans are, are some of the nicest people I've ever met in the world. They'll invite you. In. So will LSU fans. I, I'm not saying negative things about LSU fans, but it was definitely more contentious in Baton Rouge than it was in Oxford. I think that's, the people I was with can attest to that too. That's what makes it more fun. The the uh, kind of adrenaline getting popped up in, in, into your blood. Like, oh my gosh, are we going to get out of this stadium alive? And, and, and you got to think about the last time LSU had won down there in Baton Rouge. Was, it yeah. had been quite a... Uh, when was it? 07? Yeah. 07? It, 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 it had been a minute. I mean, they 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 beat us up here. They beat us up here. Uh, they beat us up here. No, no, 07, That was uh, up here uh, because they won in twenty eleven in Bryant Denny. Right, and, right. Uh, and they and won in nineteen in Bryant Denny. So, so it must have been 06, But it must have been the last year with uh, with a uh, one Mike Shula. Yeah. So they were thirsty for it and give them a little break. They were thirsty for it. But but why are we? Okay, because I, I had the same takeaways from you about Nick Saban. Why are we complaining about LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn? Three teams that are already on your schedule every single year with or without Oklahoma and Texas's additions. They're like, whether, if Oklahoma and Texas just decide to blow up and never play football again, like you still have Tennessee, Auburn, and, uh, Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU on your schedule every single year. Now, I do understand... Mississippi State, because proximity-wise, it's 45 to an hour away, hour and change away. It makes perfect sense. You've been playing for a long time. Yes, it's not a rivalry in the win-loss column, but it's a, you know, Mississippi State fans get, get into it, and we kind of get into it as well. I, I, I think it, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to do anything, you can make it Tennessee, Auburn, and Mississippi State. The issue is, you know, Michael, I don't know that, all this arguing about who our three opponents are and who, who, you know, eight or nine games. I think the main argument should be let's get it to nine games. Let's get it to nine or even ten because it really needs to be ten to, to make it even scheduling. But you know, let's get it to nine games and let's not worry about who your three opponents are because if you rotate properly, you go to divisionless football. You get, you basically make the SEC one sixteen team division. You end up playing obviously your three opponents, and then you have six rotators. That's what uh, six and six is twelve plus your three is fifteen, and then you're the sixteenth. Yeah, there you go. You're you're set. Three permanent guys, six rotators, and four years you're playing everybody in the conference. And you, I mean, the biggest issue is you can't end up with your rotators, your six rotators. If you're Alabama, let's just hypothetically say you're, you've already taken LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn. Boom, that's what Greg Sankey gave you. You say thank you, sir. May I have another? You can't have your six rotators be 
a year where you end up with Oklahoma, A&M, Georgia, Florida, you know, that kind of thing. That's really where the balance has to come in. You can give us LSU, you can give us Tennessee and, and Auburn as our permanent opponents. I think I'm perfectly fine with that because traditional rivals, big time marquee games. You look at CBS, the highest the highest ratings over the last 15 years have been the Alabama Auburn game. Followed closely with the Alabama LSU game, they're not giving that up. Well, it's funny because like you, when people have complained about Alabama's schedule, and now obviously Georgia is the one with the easy schedule this year, but like the easy argument to make with Alabama's schedule over the past five years or so, it's like you could say, well, it's not Alabama's fault that they don't have to play Alabama. Sure. I mean, look at look at Auburn right now. I mean, Auburn is going to have to play Alabama and Georgia every year. So, like, I think like when you're if you're Nick Saban and you're complaining about that, it's like. Alabama doesn't have a lot of room to complain. Like, if, if you want to be continue to be the program that you've been, like, it should be other people complaining about having to play Alabama, not Alabama complaining about having to play LSU. Like, we're, we're Alabama. You, you, don't, uh, you don't complain about having to play LSU. It, it is what it is. And as for the cupcake games and the eight versus nine, like, you just don't gain anything out of beating L- beating Austin P at 11 a.m. the week before the Iron Bowl, and then you look sluggish the next week, and then you're going to complain about – and I will say it's gotten better over the last five years, but, well, not this year the attendance of the Austin P game was embarrassing, frankly. But it was 11 a.m. and it was cold. Uh, but that being said, it's like you're going to complain about attendance. Why, why, are, why are students going to want to stay for four quarters? And, get, again, I say this not from personal experience because in my time as a student, like, I was someone who's going to stay for four quarters no matter what. But I can understand people who aren't like, you know, psychos like you, yourself and I, who are like normal casual football fans, they're not going to want to stay for four quarters if you've beaten the hell out of out of Austin P. Why would they? It, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So give them an extra SEC game. Give them a reason to stay. Give them a, an opponent that, you know, someone is going to want to care about. And it should, in theory, benefit everything else. 152 Michael Bronner to seven last year. 152 to 7 when you consider Utah State, ULM, and Austin P. And I ask you, Alabama fans who say, oh, we need those games. We need to get the backups in. We need to get the young guys in. We need to develop the depth. What did those three games last year provide the Alabama Crimson Tide team when you played Tennessee, when you played LSU, and uh, honestly, when you played A&M where you escaped by the skin of your teeth? Like, Oh, come on, what did those three teams, what did those three games give you where, oh, we had to have them on your schedule? They absolutely, Utah State 100% prepared Alabama to go into Austin the next week and play a big noon sport or a big noon kickoff and play to a one point game. Like, like in this, and for this year, like, I'll say I'm glad to have the MTSU game before Texas just because of the uniqueness with the quarterback situation, but like, in an ordinary year, I would much rather play a legitimate opponent week one and figure out what you are. Like, I, I'll tell you what, after the Utah State game, we won 55 nothing. Defense looked great. Offense did what it did. I thought this is one of the best Alabama teams I've ever seen. And, of course, it, it, you know, it, it, we weren't horrible, but we weren't we weren't very good. And the, and the, def- the defensive performance against Utah State, of course, showed nothing. I mean, they leaked against Tennessee. They leaked against LSU. They couldn't get it done. I mean, even against Arkansas after Bryce Young got hurt, they couldn't 
stop a nosebleed. Of course, you know, the offense wasn't moving the ball for two quarters after that either. But, I mean, that being said, it just it showed nothing for, for the forecast of the season. And so I now going forward, like, we're, well, I'm sure we're going to beat the heck out of, Mrs., uh, out of MTSU. But I'm not going to take anything away from that. I, you know, I'm not going to go into the Texas game with any more confidence because, oh, like, Tyler Buckner and Ty Stinson and Jalen Milrow all made a couple nice throws against MTSU because they can't cover Malik Benson. They can't cover Isaiah Bond. Why would they? They're not supposed to be able to. I, this benefits MTSU, sure. I mean, we're gonna get we're gonna give you a million dollars to come get beaten uh, by a lot of points by Alabama. And it's good exposure for their program, whatever. Like see their logos on ESPN. Other than that, I don't know what they get out of it besides a beatdown. Uh, but it just doesn't do anything for Alabama, and I, and I and I am I am quite sick of it, honestly. Like just if you play an all SEC schedule, like it just does, it doesn't put you at any disadvantage. Uh, you you go undefeated in 2020, and I understand it was less games. It's I, it was it feels, ten. It, it feels, was still ten SEC games. Yeah, I also you know it feels like feels like Nick Saban is running from something. I like I don't think that's crazy to say. Like, and I understand why. Oh, well, if we have these cupcake games. Like that's three free wins a year. Why would we want to give those up? I get it. But like at the same time, I just I just don't like to hear it when uh, you know they they don't want to play more SEC games. Well, the, okay, a bunch of bunch of thoughts came off my head off your last thoughts right there. Utah State last year, people said all going into you know the summer, Utah State their passing offense is really going to help us prepare for t- Texas the next week. Oh, bad, yeah. They spread it out. Their guys oh, are going to be able to see you know see looks, see that dude the athleticism. It was night and day between the Aggies, no disrespect to you guys, and the Longhorns. The quarterback ability, even when Quinn Ewers goes out, like the quarterback ability for Texas versus Utah State is night and day different. And so, like, I'm with you in the fact that these games do not help Alabama. Do not help Alabama get ready. Like, okay, let's let's take a broader look. The big picture for this 2023 season is, can Alabama reestablish the Bama factor, the Bama standard? Like, that's the damn ball. Right. Can they get back to... I bet they can against MTSU. Exactly. Exactly. I don't care what they do against MTSU. I do not care one bit. You know, we can run for 500 bleeping yards. I'm, I'm sorry. My man, Treshawn Holden, looked like an all-SEC last year against Utah State. And Treshawn, you fooled me. You fooled, you, you fooled me bad. You broke my heart. Well, I don't he, care he, what they're he doing right? all, in, in these small games. Yeah, he fooled all of us. And, and so, okay, you go into the extra game. Like, okay, this year I look at it and I see at South Florida, and you're going to get them twice now in the next two years. A true road game. Perfect. Thank you, Nick Saban. I don't need us to play Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC, and Texas like my old NCAA college football game like I would do just for fun. But give me Wake Forest, give me Indiana, give me, you know, Kansas State again, give me Oregon State, give me some of these bottom-end Power 5 opponents, and okay, then I will be able to write for you and speak to you, yes, Alabama is preparing itself against the best po- Nobody wants to see us play against Austin P. And now Nick Saban's rebuttal is, and the typical Alabama fan rebuttal is, well, nobody wants to play us. Well, nobody wants to play us. That is so not true. Look at the schedules over the next 10 years, and you can see, well done, Greg Byrne. We're getting a lot of good non-conference games going forward. Yeah, it, it, it's a cop-out to say uh, to say no one wants to play. Like, you, you can get those games scheduled if you want those games scheduled. All right, and, and 
lastly, you, you you brought up how there's no detriment, there's no downside to going to nine or ten games and playing all Power Five uh, opponents. Here's the here's the downside, and here's what what the coaches are seeing. The coaches see a new 12-team college football playoff, and they say, oh, I'm not Alabama. I'm Ole Miss. I'm not Alabama. I'm Mississippi State. I'm Arkansas. I am never going to get into the top, the, the, the 14-team playoff. But I can get into a 12-team playoff, and I can get into a 12-team playoff if I have the right recipe, the right schedule, everything just falls perfectly. I can come in there at number 9, number 8, number 12. And so that th- then they start to weigh the extra, do we play a Power 5 opponent? Or does Arkansas bring in Arkansas State for homecoming and, and tear up the Red Wolves and Butch Jones you know, for their extra game just so they can get their basic bye week until they play LSU that next week in their, in their rivalry game. So the bottom end of the roster, or the bottom end of the, of the league sees an opportunity coming up to get into the playoff that they didn't previously have. And so financially, the SEC with 12, with, with, with 12 slots in the playoff, the SEC is trying to position itself for four, five, six teams getting selected every single year. Well, it's funny you use Arkansas as, example, as an example because you're talking about a team that lost at home to Liberty <laughs> this past season. But that that being said, it's like, yeah, I mean, the 12-team playoff pretty much changes everything. Uh, you know, you're talking about you're, you can pre- you can get a three-loss team. We haven't seen a two-loss team in the 14 playoff, but you can probably get a three-loss team in an at- I probably never a four-loss team. But who knows? I, if you if you're if, look at Auburn, I, I don't know. They lose to Alabama, Georgia, and, and, and two other good teams, and and then you know beat six good teams. Who knows what can happen and and, and sneak into a 12th? The the, uh, the no two loss team. Well, the the new version of that is going to be no four loss team has made the 12 team playoff, and eventually it might happen. I like it, 12 teams completely changes the landscape of everything, and I, I'm all for it. I, I think more team. You know, we've talked about this a lot. Like, I'm not a big proponent of meaningless bowl games. I, I don't like consolation games. Like, I don't think you should make a postseason for winning set for going seven and five. Like, I don't think you should be rewarded for that. So, you know, I, if it were up to me, it'd be a 25-team playoff, and uh, and there's no bowl game. <laughs> but, but that's an entirely different discussion. What about the bowl games? I mean, this is something that many people don't 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 even consider. These college programs lose money going to bowl games. They lose money going to bowl games. Like they talk about, oh, they're a big money maker. It's all for TV. It's literally all for TV and all for the sponsors. Um, I enjoyed watching the Sugar Bowl this past year, watching Alabama handle its yeah. business. But in the future, I would love to see Nick Saban treat every bowl game like a start to next year. If we're not in the college football playoff, then all you seniors can get the hell out of here, and we're turning over. We're turning over the roster so we can start next year. And it's funny you say that because you know, as awesome as it was to watch one more magical Bryce Young performance, and you can argue, well, Tennessee, but you can argue that Bryce Young's Sugar Bowl was maybe the best game of his career, if not like right up there in the top three. So like as awesome as it was to watch that, like I was arguing before the game, Ty Simpson should start this game. Like yes. we need to move on to next year. Like what value do we get out of beating Kansas State with Bryce Young? Like, yeah, it's nice. Like a bowl game for Alabama that's not in the playoff. Okay, it's one more chance to watch Alabama play before we don't get to watch him play for six months. Like it's going to be enjoyable. I'm going to sit down and watch it. It's going to be fun. But and I love like, I, as much as I, I love Bryce Young, he's my favorite Alabama player 
of all time. And, you know, I'm excited to watch him one more time. And Will Anderson's going to get his curtain call. It's going to be great. But, like, all, all, it's all for show. Like, that. Be, like it, we, what value did Alabama get out of the Sugar Bowl besides a trophy that didn't end in a college football playoff championship? So, like, Ty Simpson – should have started that game. I would have loved to have gotten to look at Ty Simpson. And if they lose, like, what is the difference for Alabama losing the Sugar Bowl with Ty Simpson starting and we get a good look at Ty Simpson versus winning the Sugar Bowl with Bryce Young putting on a dominating performance? Like, the end result's the same. You're preparing for this season without Bryce Young and without Will Anderson and whoever else. So, like, why not just use it, use it to prepare for the next season? That's why, like, I'm just not a big proponent of the for-show bowl game that that doesn't you know, do anything again. It, it's different if you're, you know, Kansas State, for example. Like, it's a program that's not like that. Was that game was a huge deal to Kansas State fans? You had Kansas State fans traveling from Manhattan, Kansas to New Orleans to watch their team play, and that's that's New Year's Six Bowl. It's a huge deal for them, but you know, for an Alabama. I just think you could have gotten more value out of that game. Could have gotten getting, given Ty Simpson some legitimate game reps. See how he is. Like instead of Jermaine Burton carving up the uh, in Jacory Brooks carving up the Kansas State defense because Bryce Young is putting on such a magical performance. Uh, you know, Jamarian Miller had a nice game. I guess we got some nice value out of that. But other than that, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, this is cool. Uh, on to next year. All right, so let's talk about next year just a little bit. As we had a fun weekend, uh, interesting weekend here in Tuscaloosa. Seven new guys, well, seven guys we're all familiar with by now, but seven uh, players officially committed, officially enrolled. That's the right word. Enrolled in Tuscaloosa. We saw Keon Keeley, Richard Young, Yanzi Pierre, and Connor Talty, the freshman, the 2023s, enroll in campus. And we saw the transfers, Tyler Buckner, Jalen Key, and Trey Amos also enroll in campus this weekend. Lots of people talking about Keon Keeley. Lots of people talking about Richard Young. More people talking about Tyler Buckner. Who's got Michael Bronner's eye out of these seven? I mean, obviously, you know, the reason for talking about Tyler Buckner is obvious uh you know he plays quarterback so uh you know i i hope not that i have anything against tyler buckner but i would hope that tyler buckner isn't the guy of those seven who makes the biggest impact because that would mean that what we had on the roster was not good enough and we certainly thought it was uh so you know i'm not going to sit here and say i'm rooting against tyler buckner or anything like that but if tyler buckner is the starting quarterback for this alabama team it's really tough to get excited about the prospects of this offense. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has six touchdowns and eight interceptions Michael. in his career. Uh, you're all in on Tyler Buckner, huh? No, no, but 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 come on, don't we see the similarities between the, the, this upcoming offense and the Georgia offense from the last two years? Like, sure, I'd just rather strong have strong offensive line, yeah. big running backs, lots of tight ends. I mean, Tyler Buckner's just going to have to dink and dunk and Stetson bend it our way to a national championship. In hindsight, because if you remember, you know, for a day or two, Alabama fans were like, is Drake May going to transfer to Alabama? <laughs> I called nonsense on that because this is before, you know, we really knew anything about how the quarterbacks were performing in spring. And in hindsight, you know, I called nonsense on that. I said, like, we're Alabama. We recruit quarterbacks. We don't need to bring in Drake May. In hindsight, that would have been pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it have? But no, I mean, looking at it now, it's like I, I, I'm going to go ahead and predict that Tyler Buckner is going to be the third string quarterback on this team. I think Milrow wins the job early. I think Simpson is the backup, and honestly, I think Simpson ends up taking over, barring Mil barring. I just, you know, I think Saban goes with experience early. As for the seven that are enrolled now, uh, of the names you mentioned. 
I'm looking at Keon Keeley. They announced he's wearing 31. It's uh, it's pretty poetic there. Yonze Pierre is going to be a good player too, but uh, Richard Young will find his time, but I think Justice Haynes is better. Uh, we'll see what happens with Connor Talty. Obviously, you know, barring a groin injury to, to uh, Will Reichard, he's not going to be a factor this season. We hope Connor Talty can build on the Will Reichard legacy, but I mean, you could argue that Reichard coming back is maybe the biggest addition, maybe the biggest uh, comeback for Alabama this year. Uh, Reichard wasn't wasn't phenomenal this year. He, he, he was okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Reich, Reichard's an interesting one to figure out. I, I feel like I trust him to make a kick, but if it's longer than 45 yards, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that it's going through the goalpost. See the Tennessee game, for example. Uh, Connor Talty showed on social media last week that he could run 22 miles an hour. Uh, was that <laughs> does that make you excited for him? <laughs> Are we going to have uh, Ty Simpson doing a holding and a little toss back behind the head for, yeah, for Connor yeah. Talty? That's 22 be- miles an hour. I, maybe we can find some sort of use for that at some point. Hey, you say that now. Just mark that down. I'll rem- I'll, I'll tell you what. If we ever run a trick play with Connor Talty, you know, running the ball, I, I, that'll be the first thing I remember for I'll sure. I'll send you that clip. I'll send you that clip. So, so like, look, you look at you look at Tyler Buckner. You say, oh, he, he might be the third string quarterback, and we've already kind of compared what Georgia needs or what Alabama needs to do to Georgia's offense last year. Look. 49 points against Oregon, 48 against South Carolina, 42 against Auburn, 42 against Florida. against South Carolina, too. It's just... just Mississippi State. No, this this is Georgia's scores last year. Georgia's putting up the... the, the, the Oh! No, so all Stetson, all Tyler Stetson Bennett Buckner needs to do is just fit in, fit into the offense... And let the offensive line, let Tommy Reese, let the tight ends, you know, and of course Malik Benson, let them do their work. Yeah, and, and I feel better about what Alabama has. Just look, comparing Alabama this year to Georgia last year, you know, I feel better about what Alabama has in the receiver room. Uh, you know, just continuity wise, and, and you add Malik Benson. Uh, compared to Georgia last year, obviously Georgia goes out and adds Dominic Lovett and and uh, and Ra Ra Thomas as well in the portal. So man, Georgia, Georgia's really getting on my nerves these days. <laughs> they, they, they very well might be upgrading at quarterback too. Carson Beck, I don't know. Get get that Heisman future in now. I I think Carson Beck is going to be really good. But Michael, this is why. Look, this is why Kirby, when asked about eight versus nine games, calls it an overrated discussion. He doesn't it's care. A, what does it matter to him? Put a team across the field from him. Put them in a uniform that's not red, black, or white, and let the Georgia teams play. He don't care. That's all he cares about. And I think, I think, uh, you know, I think it shows a sign of kind of where Georgia is as the elite program. Like, come on, we're on the mountaintop. Anybody who wants to come get us can come get us. Whereas, I'm sorry, Nick Saban, I love you, I support you, but you crying about the journey to the top of the mountain doesn't give me a lot of uh, a lot of confidence that we're going to get right back there. What uh, what are we thinking about this Dylan Rayola Julian Sain comparisons? Because they're going to be tied together for life now. Uh, I mean, I've seen that Rayola right now is the kind of pro- prototypical physical special specimen. Excuse me. 
But all the Alabama reporters that I talk to say that Julian Sand is the longer term project that will that will have a higher ceiling down the road. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's just we'll see, how the, we'll see how the quarterback play is this season because uh, a long term project might might be exactly what Alabama doesn't need. So uh, you know, we'll yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But I got we'll faith in but I got faith in in Milrow. I got faith, stupid faith in Milrow and Simpson. Maybe it's just. Maybe it's just everybody talking, uh, discrediting Alabama this year, going into this year, saying that, oh, you know, they're going to fall, obviously fall. It makes me want to dive in and jump in and defend all our quarterbacks because, and defend our players because usually it's, oh, Alabama's unbeatable, Alabama's unbeatable, and the devil's advocate in me wants to be like, no, they're not. Now the devil's advocate in me is like, this team can go win a national championship. Yeah, I think, no, I think, I think they can. You've always had a tendency to go against the grain, for sure, <laughs> against the media narrative. I was I was talking about this with a friend yesterday, and uh, you know, I don't think I'm crazy for thinking this team can win a national championship. Like I said, I feel really good about every position group on the team, except for quarterback. And it's not that I feel terrible about the quarterback; it's obviously just a big question mark, no matter who you throw out there. So I think the defense is going to be a lot better. I both from a personnel and a uh, and a coaching standpoint, you know, Pete Golding. I'll tell you what. You remember when uh, when when we hosted a show together on Tide a long time ago, and we had the discussion who should be Alabama's next head coach, Pete Golding or Lane Kiffin. I argued for Pete Golding, and in hindsight, one of the more foolish things I've ever said. <laughs> uh, and, and that take just got worse and worse and worse over the last two years. And then Pete Golding. I don't know who do you blame more for that defensive collapse against Tennessee, Nick Saban or Pete Golding? Because I mean, so certainly some. Blame's got to fall on Nick Saban. Oh, uh, more on Nick, more on Coach Saban. Like, yeah, it's at a certain point, you more, know. We'll, more on Coach Saban, <laughs> just based on the experience. What's the definition the... of insanity? You do the same thing over and over again. Right, right, right. Think there's going to be a different result. They ran the Jalen Hyatt run fast play, and uh, you know he burns he burns us for five touchdowns, and effectively. Ends the season. I've obviously still had a chance against LSU, but you guess what? Guess what? Lost the LSU game. It wasn't the offense. It was the fact that you couldn't stop Jaden Daniels in the fourth quarter, which again falls on the the uh, brilliant two minds of Pete Golding and Nick Saban in 2022. Both. I, it was a, it was a rough year for Nick Saban in 2022. Uh, yes, I, but I think you're going to see. Here, here's the difference, Michael, with the with the defense. I think the schemes will be very similar. But I think the effort and attention to detail will be much more, much higher, much higher. I think. Would you agree? The tackling over the last three years has been subpar at best. Yeah. Lots yeah. of arm tackling, lots of diving, lots of head, you know, head and arm. I think you're going to see a vast improvement in the tackling. And can we just blame Henry Toto for that? Oh yes, we can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, uh, but. I, I, I think the defense is going to be improved because of attention to detail, not the, not because the schemes are going to be. Oh, what if the defense isn't improved? This is a four-loss team. So no, if the defense is the same as it was, this team is not. This team is losing four games. This game is not good enough for that. You're lo- you're losing tech. You're losing to Texas. You're getting okay. swamped by Texas. Okay. You probably lose to LSU. And you probably lose the Iron Bowl. And there's probably one more in there. I, like, if that defense is as bad as it was against Tennessee and in the second half against LSU, what what confidence do you have in, in Jalen Milrow? Well, the thing was, they weren't that bad the whole season. There were yes. there, there were stretches of, of really good play, too. 
There were. There were. I look at the Mississippi State game, for example. I think that's probably the best case of uh, like a dominant defensive performance. But I don't know. They're going to be playing some good quarterbacks this year. I, I'll tell you what, and this is this boss movie, but I'm a believer in Peyton Thorne and Auburn. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to win seven or eight games. I think that Iron Bowl is, uh, uh, you know, it's in Voodoo Magic Stadium down there. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I do not feel good about the Iron Bowl. I think Alabama's got to go into it pretty much undefeated because I don't think Alabama's going to win the Iron Bowl. So, again, I, I'm pessimistic because I, I hey, said – I was already said Texas and Auburn now. Yeah, those are the – I'll tell you what, we're going to beat LSU. We, we, we're we going to beat LSU. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that one. I don't think we lose to LSU back-to-back years. I don't think we lose to Tennessee back-to-back years, although – I think Joe Milton's really good, and I think I think uh, Tennessee is more of a system team than a uh, you know. Oh, you lose Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. Oh well, you know you swap in new guys, and Josh Heupel's system is going to be what it is. Joe Milton could be better than Hendon Hooker. He's going to be this year. Uh, not that Anthony Richardson was great at Florida, but uh, you know, in terms of the guy who shoots up draft boards and becomes a first round pick, that's Joe Milton this year. Uh, he's going to have a really good season in Tennessee's. Tennessee's going to be good. I, it, I get varying answers when I ask, can Tennessee win the East? I get, like, maybe to hell no. Uh, so so we'll see what happens there. I mean, Tennessee effectively has to go undefeated to win the East if you look at Georgia's schedule. Like, obviously, they have to beat Georgia, but they probably can't have a slip-up anywhere else. Uh, so, you know, you go to Bryant-Denny. And so, but although that being said, you beat Georgia – Georgia goes 11-1, and one. you lose to Alabama, you know, both are 11-1, and one. Tennessee wins the East, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think that Tennessee can win the East, but I don't know. I think the ceiling for that team is very, very high. All right, let's spin it. we got about 10 minutes left here, Michael. We, uh, let's, let's move away from the football just a little bit because Alabama, Alabama basketball had a little bit of news today, a little bit of interesting news today. Mark Sears announces that uh, he's coming back to Alabama for his, for for uh, to continue. I think he's going to be a senior, so he's going to come back to to Alabama. And there's a little bit of news around J- Javon Quinterly. Hard Weird to kind situation. of yeah. J- uh, Javon Quinterly appears to be working out for the Milwaukee Bucks. Is that what I've seen? But uh, Nate Oates has uh, Nate Oates told our friend Nick Kelly of the Tuscaloosa News about a half hour ago that they're still expecting Javon Quinterly to return to the team. So what's it mean, Alabama basketball? You get Mike Sears back. You might get JQ back. Can we get back to competing for an SEC championship? Uh, well, the front court is in complete and utter shambles. So, I mean, the back court should be pretty damn good. Javon Quinterly is an interesting situation. A Twitter account I follow by the name of Trilly Donovan. Not sure if you're familiar with them, but he's predicted pretty much every offseason move. Said last night that had lit Alabama Twitter on fire that uh, Jaden Quinterly might not be the only Quinterly in the portal this offseason. And then Nate Oates comes out today and says we expect JQ back. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, as for whether he's back or not, doesn't do a whole lot for me. I, I, I'm happy Sears is coming back. Sears was frustrating, man, because you could argue, you know, obviously Brandon Miller's Brandon Miller, but you could make the argument that Mark Sears, through a large stretch of this season, was the best player on the team. Pound for pound, and I say pound for pound, was the best rebounder on the team for a lot of stretch. The guy's a dog. He pulls down boards at six foot one or whatever his height is. But, you know, obviously down the stretch, couldn't hit a shot and uh, kind of just disappeared offensively. He just wasn't there when they needed him to be. And obviously Brandon Miller disappeared in the tournament as well and had his worst game of the season at the worst time. Uh, but that being said, no, I like when Bidiaco declared, or I guess he hasn't officially said, you know, um, 
that he's staying in the draft. But when the report came out last week that Bidiaka is not going to be back, which has he, I don't even know if he's officially said that himself, but it seems like that is happening. He is staying in the draft, which it's an entirely different discussion as to whether that's a good decision or not for him. Probably not, but good for him. I wish him the best of luck. Unfortunately, it comes with Alabama's front court and defense kind of being in a really tough spot because what did NATO? It's not really do this offseason. Didn't recruit big men because didn't really need to. Thought Bidiaka would be back. Like Kalel Ware, the Oregon kid, kind of like was rumored for Alabama, like maybe at that clowny position, maybe at center, but they just didn't really go after him that hard, mostly because they didn't really need him. And now you're in a spot where you almost have to land a big man at this point. Like, I love me some Noah Clowney, but uh, not Noah Clowney, I'm sorry, Nick Pringle. Uh, but, you know, he's and he has a higher offensive ceiling than Bidiaco, I think. But even if he reaches his defensive ceiling, he's not going to be Bidiaco on defense ever. He just he can't be. Uh, but that being said, so I, I have heard a little bit about Ernest Uda, this uh, this Kansas center. We'll see that would that would be massive. Uh, you know, that would kind of be the addition of the offseason. I'm excited about Aaron Estrada, I'm excited about Latrell Wright. So obviously, the Man, the Jaycon Walton situation is really unfortunate. Uh, you know, Nadeau did what he had to do with that. Uh, you know, I don't blame him there. Uh, it is what it is when something like that happens after the season that it was. You know, without getting into all that, it it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, you had to get rid of Walton. Uh, it's just very unfortunate because I think he was going to be a huge piece in, in replacing Brandon Miller. But yeah, I, I mean. I when Bidiaco that report came out, I kind of said, "Wow, this team is going to have a tough time winning 20 games." And I'm getting a little more confident now. Obviously, I think the backcourt's going to be very good again. I, I just they need another piece on uh, at big match so so badly. I guess they're going to be relying on Sam Walters and Diabate to play big minutes, which is fine. Uh, I don't know, you know, Walters probably going to get pushed around early. Uh, but you know he can hit shots. You know, Clown Clowney could hit shots too, but he would his three. What did he miss? Thirty five straight threes at one point in the middle. Oh of the yes, yes, yes. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm cautiously optimistic, but no, I don't think we can win the SEC. Like Auburn's in a way better spot than we are right now. It's not even close. Kentucky's going to be really good. Tennessee should be good. We'll see what happens with Julian Phillips up there. But like, no, I, I they're not going to win thirty games. They're probably oh. the SEC. Lie to me, Michael. Lie to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If they win 25 games, it's the most impressive coaching job, uh, like, maybe ever. Uh, they're, they're in a tough spot. Mark that. They're, they're, yeah, put, put put that down. I mean, Nate Oates is, is in a tough spot here. But I, I am big on Estrada. I do think he's going to be really good. I just wish he could play center. Well, you're down on the football team. You're down on the basketball team. Uh, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up with, with softball. I'm optimistic on both, but... Okay, all right. Let's wrap it up with softball because before we got live today, I was over at the Tuscaloosa Regional Airport seeing Patrick Murphy and them girls, Montana Fouch, Jayla Torrance, Bailey Dowling, the Who's Who, Jenna Johnson, all over there. The entire team, duh, was over there. They're all leaving to go to, go to Oklahoma City. Um, and, and, you know, honestly... This team has vastly impressed me. This team has, has overachieved from what from where I was standing about two months ago. And the last three weeks, uh, Murph talked about it today, the Mudita being very, very high and just the buy-in. He said that this has been his favorite coaching experience, his, coach, uh, his favorite team that he's coached thus far. And I think because of some of the noise of, hey, Murph's lost it. Hey, this team isn't quite there. And then, boom, to have them right back in Oklahoma City. Obviously, tough draw. Ooh. 
tough draw. Taking on Tennessee on Thursday, and if you get uh, they get past the balls. You're probably going to get the winner of Oklahoma and Stanford being the Sooners right there in their backyard. Michael Bronner, what are we making of this week out there in Oklahoma City? And then kind of the last chapter of Montana Fouts. Well, it's funny you brought up like the noise around the season. What what was it? The the game one against Northwestern is the first Super Regional they've lost at home in what, 12 years or something sure. like that? Since uh, it, it was something like that. I can't remember the year off the top of my head. But yeah, resilience is probably the best word to describe this team. You got an injured Montana Fouts on a knee brace going out there and putting the team on her back. Jayla Torrance is phenomenal. Uh, this team's special. I, do I think they can win a World Series? Like, no, I don't. But, that, that, you know, the fact that they've gotten there is pretty spectacular. You know, Twitter was ablaze with, we need to have a conversation about Patrick Murphy after the game one loss, which... Roll my eyes. Uh, roll your eyes and say what you want about that. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I think the, the transfer of, of, of KB sides, people are still upset about that one which you understand why but all that all that being said it's like you know montana fouts like what years in coaching michael sometimes you make personnel mistakes yeah it it is what it is there but what more can you say about montana i mean you gotta put her probably on the mount rushmore of alabama athletes like ever at this point i to to do it again and bring them back on an uh, on an injured leg it, it really is just incredible at this point you know she she is so special and this team is special like i said i i don't think they can i mean it'd be a miracle if they uh really even if they beat tennessee frankly but uh, you know they get get to uh Get to face Oklahoma. I think it will get ugly. Uh, it is what it is. That uh, yeah, again, you know, call me pessimistic, but I think that's more realistic than pessimistic. Uh, it's Oklahoma, so. Uh, but no, it, it is special what this team has done, and it's been a pleasure to watch them. And very feel very grateful to have lived through the Montana Fox era at Alabama. It, it, it's just uh, it's a special time. We look forward to it. It's going to be a huge week around here following all the sports of the capstone. We'll continue to follow SEC spring meetings as the coaches say much to do about nothing after each <laughs> after each session. Uh, but we'll follow all their quotes. You can find my man Austin Hannon following all that uh, for Bama Central. I'll, I'm going to get onto that train as well. Uh, Austin needs a little bit of help. I'm going to jump in this afternoon and help him with that. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to continue the week with Andy Phillips on Friday from Alabama baseball. He's going to talk about Alabama's regional uh, regional this coming up weekend, his career, and just kind of this Alabama baseball team as well. Uh, and then we're going to obviously follow Alabama softball. We're sending Katie, Katie Windham and Edwin Stanton out to Oklahoma City. You can follow them on their own Twitters and, of course, at Bama Central and BamaCentral.com for all their coverage. Michael Bronner, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and listen to you in the afternoons on 105.1. Oh, appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me. This was a blast. But you can find me on Twitter at mbronnerwnsp. We do the final drive three to six every afternoon in Mobile, one hundred five point five. If you're in Mobile, but you can also get us on the Sound of Mobile app. Uh, so download the Sound of Mobile app. Myself and Corey Labounty. Uh, you know, today today we're gonna have Tony Sakalas. We're gonna have Zach Blackerby. It's gonna be good stuff. We'll have KJ Lacey, Saraline quarterback. By the way, we'll see if Alabama can throw their hat in the ring in the ring for him. But we'll have him on tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, give me a follow on Twitter at mbronnerwnsp. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. It's been a blast. 
Tony, uh, Michael, tell Tony I said hello. You know I love him. Tell him I, I said hello. On the air, though. On the air. I, oh, I'll, I'll do it on the air. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Michael Bronner, ladies and gentlemen, for WNSP. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And thank you guys, the listener, for hanging out with me today. We're going to wrap up this show right here. want to say thanks to the Bama Central Broadcasting Network for allowing me to do it another day. You can follow all the Bama Central podcasts, all things Bama and Blue Collar Unplugged, right there at BamaCentral.com. I'm looking forward to bringing you another episode tomorrow. I'll be back with you at 1 o'clock tomorrow right here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and anywhere you listen to your, your, your podcast. For Joe Gaither, hey, that's me, the listener. That's you, Michael Bronner. That was him. We had a lot of fun today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Roll Tide.